Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-aged child. I am your host, Christina Campos. My teenagers are screaming at each other. One is crying and the other is pointing fingers. Every day there is nagging, lectures, and I have to break up fights. It's all exhausting. And in the end, guess who gets the blame? Me. (laughs) Yeah, my kids plead for justice from me. Mom, help me get my big sister off my back. Mom, make my brother stop yelling at me. Mom, can you help me? Sibling rivalry and family conflict are unavoidable, but understanding how your kids instinctively respond to conflict will help you approach conflict resolution better. Many people have heard of the five love languages by Gary Chapman, but have you heard of the five conflict languages by Thomas Kilman? Hello, my name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and every week I give you parenting videos that help you in your parenting journey. If you have a particular topic or parenting question about your school-age child that you would like for me to address, please submit it at theimpactfulparent@gmail.com at gmail.com or by messaging me on social media and all submissions are kept anonymous. Now today I'm going to teach you the five conflict languages. Thomas Kilman published that there are five ways that people try to resolve conflict. And I will explain what each conflict language is, the pros and cons of each conflict language, and then stick around to the end because I'm also gonna be giving you impactful parent tips along the way. So let's get started. Conflict language number one, accommodating. This conflict style is popular with kids who are people pleasers and kids who simply don't care too much about the issue at hand. Maybe they don't care about the problem because the child has a laid back personality or perhaps the outcome of the conflict doesn't bother them either way, whatever happens. The accommodating conflict language means that the child is going to put others' needs before their own. Now, the child doesn't mind letting the opposing party get their way. And sometimes children will also be accommodators when they don't want to deal with the issue because it's just not worth their time or when they want to avoid being wrong. I saw a lot of that in school when I was a teacher. Children with perfectionistic personalities often accommodate when they feel the stakes are too high and they just don't want to be corrected. So they find it better to accommodate so that they can say, oh, that's what I thought. I I just didn't want to tell you or say anything. It's their way of staying safely correct. Now, the good thing about accommodating conflict language is that it can easily avoid disputes. This leaves more time for other things, and your child won't be considered argumentative because disagreements, they'll be over pretty quickly once they accommodate. So the bad thing about the accommodating conflict language is a child can come off as a pushover. The child with strong opinions can take advantage of the accommodating child's easygoingness. And also over time, the accommodating children can become resentful because they seldom get their way. So here's my in 
impactful parent tip for you. The accommodating child should be encouraged to respectfully speak their mind and express their opinions. Encourage their voice. Help children navigate conflict when they play with others. And then keep track of how often the child is accommodating to other people. Be aware when the child is starting to feel resentful for continually giving up to either a friend or a sibling. Now, conflict language number two, compromising. Teaching your child to compromise is a necessary skill, and most parents teach compromising in the early toddler years at playdates with toys and, you know, sharing. However, the compromising conflict style can also frustrate a child when they rely too much upon this as their conflict resolution style. If they use it all the time, they're going to get frustrated. The compromising conflict language is also called the lose-lose conflict language. So everyone in the conflict must give up something they want so that they can find middle ground. Many children use this conflict resolution style with their peers because, well, that's what they were taught first. <laughs> School teachers also encourage compromising solutions in the classroom. It is the most ingrained of the five styles. So therefore, it's also the most practiced. But that is not to say that it is the easiest to implement. The good side of the compromising conflict language is that most children are familiar with it. So asking school-age children to compromise will likely get some eye rolls, but the child will expect that the intervening adult will resort to that conflict resolution style. So basically what I'm saying is the kid's not going to be surprised that you're asking them to compromise. Um, the compromising tactic actually encourages the child to hear the other person's perspective and their wants and their needs. So that's good. And it forces children to listen to each other. If done correctly, your child should feel heard, even though they still have to give something up that they wanted. Now, the downside of the compromising conflict language is that it can cause resentment if used too often. No one leaves the conflict feeling happy. So, children often complain that they gave up more than the opposing party did, and then children also get tired of the compromising just because they're doing it all the time. Now, here's my impactful parent tip. Teach compromise in the early years. However, don't use it too often. Try to mix it up with the other conflict resolution styles that you're learning today and so that you can not have to resort to the compromise by default every time. Compromise is best used when the child doesn't care too strongly about the issue and the conflict needs to be resolved quickly. Also, be mindful that your child is giving up equal amounts to the opposing party so that resentment doesn't fester. Now let's get to number three. Conflict language number three is avoiding. Children afraid of conflict or the results of conflict will often resort to avoiding the conflict altogether. These children are peacemakers or they might be acting upon their fears. Either way, avoiding conflict style is usually only prolonging the inevitable. 
Now, the good side of avoiding the conflict would be is that it can be effective if a cool down period would be helpful in the situation. For example, if children need a little time to calm down because they have really big emotions or time to process their thoughts, or perhaps they need some time to just step back and then see the big picture. Now, the downside of avoiding conflict comes when the conflict is avoided indefinitely or for too long. Avoiding conflict can result in making things worse. And lastly, avoiders of conflict are often unassertive. So these children have a fear that if they engage in the conflict, well, it's just going to make everything so much worse. So here is my impactful parent tip. Children should be encouraged not to avoid conflict forever. Okay, maybe for a break if they need it, but not to avoid it forever. Remember that many children who avoid conflict are scared for some reason. Maybe they're afraid of the potential outcome or being yelled at or feeling unloved or unlikable or any of the large assortment of reasons. Parents should be mindful of these fears and then help children face their fears of conflict by helping them with their conflict resolution. Parents who encourage their children's voice and provide their children with a safe space to express themselves and their opinions and their emotions will often also help them feel safe enough to stand up for themselves. Now, conflict language number four, collaborating. The collaborating conflict language is arguably the best conflict resolution technique because it yields the most win-win results for everyone. Now, best used when the solution or the outcome is essential to everyone or when it's crucial to keep everyone's relationship in good standing. With the collaborating conflict language, each person must express their wants, their needs, and their concerns. And usually this means that children must sit down together and talk through the conflict by negotiating a solution that everyone feels good about. I'd like to point out that unlike the compromising conflict language where everyone gives up a piece of something that they want to find common ground, and then that leaves everyone feeling like they had to give up something that they wanted to find a solution, the collaborating conflict language has children come to a common ground through brainstorming solutions that make everyone involved feel good about the outcome. Now, the good side of the collaborating conflict language is that it is considered a win-win solution. Everyone leaves happy. Relationships often even leave stronger, and children learn to work together toward an agreed outcome. The majority of the time, this conflict language yields the best results. Now, the downside of the collaborating conflict language is that it's time-consuming. Most children will need a mediator, aka you or an adult, to help them problem solve and brainstorm and talk respectfully to each other and negotiate without animosity. Sometimes kids also have difficulty with the collaborating processes because it takes a long time. So if you need to find a solution in a hurry, it actually might not be the best option for you. So here is my impactful parent tip. When given the time, 
Practice this conflict resolution technique as often as possible and in, in the early childhood years when you can. Not only is this the best case scenario conflict resolution style, but the skills your child will learn through the collaborating conflict language will be valuable for years and years to come. Skills like patience and listening to others' side of the story, their point of view, um, that they need to express their own point of views with evidence and conviction, uh, the ability to articulate well, and so much more. Teaching this to children will take time and lots of practice. And many parents, well, they don't have the patience to sit and help their children talk things out to a resolution because it's so time-consuming. However, try your best to be patient with this long process that <laughs> is so important to teach kids. And if they can practice it often and you can help them, those results are going to yield dividends for years to come. And let's get to the last conflict language, number five, competing. Now, the competing conflict language is the opposite of the collaboration conflict language. This language technique rejects compromise. It doesn't even listen to other people's point of view. It stands firm in one person's opinion, and it does not give in to others' wants or others' needs or others' desires. So when a child is using the competing language, they will not give in or back down. They are quite literally competing for a 100% win. Okay, so the good side of the competing language technique is that a solution is often found pretty quickly since there's no space for disagreement or conversation. Someone usually wins the argument quickly. The downside of the competing language technique is that relationships will be hurt and lost because this is rigid thinking and behaviors. Your child is going to lose friends because they're going to hurt other people's feelings and the children that use this technique often are sometimes considered bullies because they're just strong arming their way or the highway. So other kids won't tolerate this kind of behavior long because everyone else's needs are usually ignored. So resentment, it builds up fast. So here's my impactful parent tip. Be mindful of older children using this technique with younger children. This happens because older children can get away with it. Also, keep in mind that children who are not practiced in compromising or collaborating, well, they will default to this competing technique instead. If this should be a red flag that your child might be unfamiliar or not practiced with listening to others if they're using this competitive language a lot. Younger children default to this technique because of that. They're just not used to listening to other people's point of view. Their skill hasn't developed yet. Listening to others and brainstorming solutions, those are complex skills than just standing firm and holding your ground. So if you see your child always defaulting to the competing conflict language, consider that they may not know any other way to resolve conflict, or at least aren't practiced enough in the different conflict language styles to feel confident enough to practice them on their own. 
this is a great opportunity for you as the parent, though, to step in and spend more time with your child and listen to their points of views and teach them how to collaborate and compromise. And now it's the perfect time to turn a conflict into a lesson of self-awareness and resolution. If this information was valuable for you today, become a more impactful parent by downloading the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free and it's full of episodes just like this one that are going to help you in your parenting journey. Because investing in your family looks like learning the warning signs of certain behaviors so that you can stop bad things before they start. Or discovering new parenting techniques to make your parenting more effective. And it's joining a community of like-minded parents that also want to be the best parent they can to their child. All of this, plus so much more, can be found inside the Impactful Parent app. So download it today. You got nothing to lose with this free parenting resource. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and discover how you can step up your parenting game and be a more impactful parent. But until next time, you got this. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com. And see you next episode.